So when you get ready for people to come at holiday time, uh, what's your priority? Beds made, food purchased. Uh, right now we're, we're wondering whether anybody's going to show at all because we're seeing how many people are out today, which means there's probably a lot of flu and other things going around. I don't think this many people are traveling. So, I mean, right now, uh, the reality is you just have to prepare for anything because everything could change. The fact of the matter is, when I prepare for um, people coming, I always uh, frustrate the heck out of Kristen <clears throat> because I think that it's, it feels like vacation, and so I'm prepared for the wrong thing. I want to clean the garage. I want to take on a project. I want to uh, paint something. I want to build something that we'll be able to use over the weekend, which inevitably we don't get to use. I don't know why. This is just a sort of the man sickness in me. It's that Y chromosome that, that has to complete, you know, the hunter-gatherer has to do something that I've been wanting to do, and the best time to do it is right before people show up. And you see her head, her head shaking as, no. Well, there is a point to this. Always good to have a point. It makes it so much easier for the listener, right? Um, the point is that when we prepare, we have to listen to what we're supposed to be prepared for. Today, we, we prepared for children to come, children whose parents are, are uh, at least one is incarcerated and in need. And we've got all the bells and whistles. We've got the, the, the flu-fluzels and the flea-flingles and all the things that Dr. Seuss has prepared. But the reality is we're prepared to meet these families, meet them face-to-face, -face, share with them Jesus. The presents can go away. The, the frills can go away. We want all of that to create an atmosphere, and it has. And Mary and crew have worked a lot to make the uh, teen center a place to welcome these families. But if we don't dial back enough to listen, then we miss the point. And today in the gospel, in the lessons that we heard, we hear of this holy wait a minute. It's just this, like, uh, I'm sorry, but I'm dating myself here, and the ambiance is so lovely. Um, the cassette player has to be put on pause, right? Anybody remember what a cassette player is? Yeah. You have to put it on pause so that we get to what is op operating properly in this moment, not what we assume or what we've planned for. And so there's a holy wait a minute as we hear Isaiah say, you know, behold, the time is coming where the wilderness will no longer be a dry land, but it will be arid and beautiful and growing. Uh, and something is going to change in all the brokenness of the world. The eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped and the lame man will leap for joy. And he, I mean, just to think about that, if you've ever, we, we have... Um, Kristen's sister and brother-in-law are deaf. I, I can't imagine what a beautiful revelation, what an unbelievable change that would be in their lives. If they could hear, and they could hear people speak, they'd just be undone. Think of somebody who's been on a 
a, a mat for all of their lives. It's been bad enough recovering from a replaced knee and all the things I've had with my leg. I can't imagine ha- being immobile for years and years, suddenly being able to be on your feet and to leap for joy. Of course I would, because I haven't been able to do it for years and years. The word that we receive is that there's, there's something more. We sang the song, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. It went right along with Psalm 146 today. Uh, that, that we are in a place where at the deepest depth of our being, we need to be joyful because the Lord has a better plan. And we get to this, uh, the epistle for today from Paul. And he says, wait a minute wait a minute. Just be patient. Be patient. God is building in you something that is better than what you see and hear and do. God is working in you a testimony of his power and of his great joy over you. It doesn't matter where you are in economic status or race or the things that we all struggle with culturally. It matters that the Lord has got you and he's building in you something better. He's telling a better story. So, uh, this isn't Paul, this is James, I'm sorry. James is saying, wait a minute, doesn't the farmer wait for his precious fruit from the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the later rains? He knows when harvest is coming, and he knows just the right time to pick that fruit because it will come. So don't grumble with each other. Um, if anybody's around you suffering, let him pray. If anyone's cheerful, let them sing praise. If anyone is sick, call the elders, pray for them. There's some normalcy to life, the things that we have to go through. Trusting in the Lord, that's part of the process. If I, had, if I was a potter and I would take a piece of clay to start out with on my potter's wheel, what would I do? I'd have a big ball of clay, and what do I do? Anybody done a pot, used the potter's wheel before? You th- throw it on the wheel. You smack that thing down as centered as possible, because if it's off-center, it's going to wobble and be a mess. You have to get that thing in place. And once that thing is in place, then you take your time to form it into the th- vessel that you want it to be. And sometimes it doesn't shape quite right and you have to smash it down and start all over again, right? That's the life that we're in. The Lord is taking us and shaping us and forming us. Now, we often talk about discipleship and we we have spent a season where we've talked a lot about a rule of life. And some of you go, I don't get it. You know, when I unpack that whole thing that you presented, Dan, it's way too much for anybody to do. Roll back. Hear my word. Give it a holy wait a minute. Start simple. Just say today, I'm going to start my day with a simple prayer. Even if it's just the Lord's prayer, I'm going to begin simply so I can add one ingredient to my life that becomes a part of the makeup of who I am. That's what a rule of life is. It's the opportunity for you to build, uh, they say, a trellis for the vine of the Lord to grow on. And so as we look at the scriptures today, and timely as it is, because we're wanting all of you to be in small groups, you might say, oh, 
such an effort. I have so much in my life. I have too many things going. I don't want to clean my house. I don't know how to teach a Bible study. I don't like that personality, and I don't, I'm not sure I, what group I want to be a part of. Well, don't worry. We've solved that for you. We've put you in groups. It doesn't matter if you like the people that you're going to be with. And I'm, I'm saying that as your father, your pastor. Because sometimes we need to have that little iron sharpens iron moment. We asked you for all the information that we needed to be able to help shape the small groups. We, we know that it's easier to be in a small group with people that you already relate to. But the reality is sometimes we just need to mix that up a little bit. The, the real thing that we want, the real thing that we're going for, is exactly that word that I talked about with that potter's clay. Formation. We want you to be well-formed people, not just informed people. You know what I'm saying? We can throw information at you all of your life, and you can be one big catalog of information. But unless you're a person that is doing what I believe the scriptures today are saying, and it's a good one to remember because I've put it in an alliteration, point, joint, and anoint. You hear the scriptures today, they're pointing to the one who's coming. The day is coming when there'll be joy in the wilderness because it's not going to be a dry land anymore. There'll be springs of water in the desert. Point to the one who's coming. Joint, I don't mean what the world means as a joint. I, I mean, yeah, wait for it. <laughs> if you've ever seen woodwork done or you've done woodwork, um, the, the most beautiful woodwork are those, are those places where two different kinds of wood are in two different colors come together and they're joined in a certain way. Some, some people like to use biscuit joiners and some people love to use dovetail joiners. But the fact of the matter, they come together so beautifully and so they connect so perfectly that you go, this, this couldn't have been done without a lot of care and a lot of work. And the fact of the matter is God does a whole lot of work to put us together. You're in this room for a reason. And the reason isn't in this room. The reason is so that we as a body can come together and be built up for the ones that are out there. We're the only, we're, we're not a, just a place, you know, I like to say we're not a, we're a hospital for sinners, not a mausoleum for saints. If we've just come to, to be contained, we're dead, right? But if we take what has imploded our earthly life and exploded our spiritual life, then we have something to take out. And we take it out to a world that needs to be anointed. What does it mean to anoint somebody? You know, sometimes it's annoying. <laughs> the annoy part of anoint is, is clearly there because sometimes God takes us out of places that are our wheelhouse and puts us in places that are uncomfortable. It's hard, Lord, to give of myself when I'm tired. I'd like to take a Sunday off, please. What would happen if nobody of the leadership showed up this morning? That's a little bit the way it felt when I was realizing I had no Laura, I had no Jim, I had no Bill, and we've got Kevin, and we've got some people who are filling in, and we're, we're making it happen. But it's not as smooth as it is when the normal parts and pieces are here and you can count on it all flowing together. To anoint is to impart. It's to, to take and to put a blessing on, 
to set something aside for a purpose. And so when we as light and salt to the world are set aside by the will of God, we go out into the world to anoint it with what God has given us, to tell our story. You know, it's amazing what only God can do. You could fill in the blanks. I know you all have your own stories about how, how God has entered into your life and shown you something more. So this morning, I just want to share with you what I, I believe are sort of the five keys of spiritual, not just discipleship. Uh, you know, discipleship gets bandied about as a word, and I think lots of people think that that means Bible study, or that just simply means um, that if I'm, if I'm going to be in a part of discipleship, I've got to check some boxes off. Erase that from your heart and your mind. Because I think discipleship is more walking alongside of people. Walking alongside of people. And they might need information. And they might need process. But they need spiritual friends to encourage and prod them forward more than anything else. So that thumbs and hands are around their lives. A little bit of spray of water <laughs> and, and a whole lot of care to make that vessel turn into something that it's intended to be in God's hands. So I remember um, loving and reading uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and remembering that Paul says that we are uh, called to grow up into the, into the head of the body who is Christ. To grow up means to become mature. It means spiritual formation. So for us to be in this place, uh, it means for us to be engaged in the daily practices and discipline. Again, this is what we've been talking about with a rule of life. Whatever pieces work for you, start working them. Let's work them so that they, begin, they become the things that in, inform our day, inform our response to people around us. Richard of Chichester, uh, I love to say that name, Richard of Chichester, uh, in the 13th century said that we had to do these practices day by day and that brings forward a song right to see thee more clearly to love thee more dearly and to follow thee more nearly day by day well it didn't come from the musical those three things were things that in the 13th century richard of chichester said himself that was a quote from him that we were to see things more clearly, to love th thee more dearly, and to follow thee more nearly. Those are the pieces of and practice of um, spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is therefore a developmental process. Uh, I don't know anybody who's grown up. You'd like to say that you're grown up at, at any age. Uh, from the cradle to the grave, we still have growing to do. Why? Because we are made in the image of Christ. We are made in the image of God. He is the creator. And he, he's always creating things. There's more to do. There's more ways to grow. There's, there's never an end to it. C.S. Lewis likens it uh, to a process even in heaven. Where in the great divorce he says, we go further up and deeper in. There's a process in, in heaven. I imagine. Who will know until we get there, right? We can't say for certain because the book doesn't spell out every detail in sense around. 
it just helps us to understand that we have lots to look forward to. So I think the five facets of spiritual formation then are reading God's word. Number one, being repentant. Getting to a place where we're right with God and with our brother. Third is absolute stewardship. Stewardship of life. Taking the gifts that we've been given in time, talent, and treasure and making the most of them for the kingdom. Fourth is prayer. Not just, Lord, got a problem, need your help, get down here fast. (laughs) That tends to be uh, you know, our, our prayers. Let, let me summarize that in one word. Help! But to be more crafted and purposeful and rounded. If you are in a place where you don't know how to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us that prayer for a purpose. It contains all that we need. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, all the pieces are there. So the last piece is community. We need each other. And those are the five aspects of of, um, formation that I want to talk about. And it's the reason why we want you to be in small groups. If you haven't signed up for a small group and you've sort of been putting that holy wait a minute out there or that personal wait a minute because you wanted to see what groups form so you can be in the group that you like, that's okay. But the reality is we'd love to help you get into groups where it fits your timetable and it fits your geography and it's it's the way we've laid them out uh, is is thoughtful and helpful to be able to cover all of the bases so it's not an opportunity for us to be offended but for us to be excited about who God has allowed for us to be connected with and what he might do with people that we may not purposefully have chosen in order to be in this process of formation. Be encouraged. So reflective reading, um, or you know, reading the Bible. Uh, for new believers, you know, if you've never been a one who's immersed yourself in the scriptures before, reading the scriptures is just an incredible time. And for some of you, that means Bible study. It's a very left-brained kind of thing. But in reality, for the right-brained folks, um, you might just take some time to do what we've called Lectio Divina. Read the word and, and, and let it resonate in you. What is, it, what is God saying to you for today? What, what do you think it might have meant back in its time? You don't need to know the Greek or the Hebrew. You don't need to know the syntax or whether it's first person or present or past or whatever intention the word is. Just what does God want to say to you through it? In um, the the Gospel of Matthew, um, there's, a, there's an illustration that I could use that, that covers both of these approaches. And, and it is in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus says, I tell you again, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And we all go, because we might realize that in our culture, Americans tend to be in the top 10% of the world. We all might qualify, whether you feel like you're rich or poor right now, we all would qualify probably to be in the category of God's kingdom as rich. And so how do we unplug this a little bit? If we were to go with the Bible study method, a more deductive understanding, we might say, 
Well, the parable of the rich man is about a hole in the wall in Jerusalem. And if you go to archaeology, you might find that there were secret passageways to get in and out of the city. And you might dig a little bit deeper into the background and understanding. But a more meditative approach, a Lectio Divina approach might say, well, the eye of the needle is like the world today, right? It's hard. Uh, it, it's it's the hardest thing for all of us to believe that we, um, we're rich and we need to keep our attention on the poor and that our, our meditative uh, reading of this reminds us that there are ways that we can help to get what we know to be our riches out to those who are in need. If we were to take a, a more uh, devotional approach, you think about somebody like Thomas Kempis, he would also say, uh, a good and devout man makes time for his inner soul. Uh, A.W. Tozer is one who does a lot of soul searching and gives us a, an approach to a more devotional way of looking at the scriptures. But the bottom line is, we need to be purposeful about getting God's word in us whether we are those that like Bible study and want a very linear, logical, uh, academic approach to understanding the Lord, or whether we want something to more spill over us and in us. And you know what? Most groups, most uh, small groups, tend to be able to do both. They bring in people who want the Bible study piece and go, oh, did you know that I read this fact about the Greek in this particular passage? And another person will say, wow, it makes me think about this time where I was on the road in South America. And uh, all of that flows together to be part of our formation. The second piece, other than reading, is repentance. You know, it's really important for us to be able to recognize Jesus in our lives in this way. He was tempted in every way, Hebrews says. Hebrews 4, verse 15 says, He was tempted in every way, yet did not sin. For us to hold ourselves against that measure, to recognize He was tempted in the same ways that we were tempted, and yet He didn't sin. And we're supposed to grow into the full stature of Christ. It means that we're to relinquish sin from our lives, our sinful thinking, our sinful words, our sinful desires. And that takes work, and that begins with repentance. Lord, I'm sorry for the ways that I've fallen short. It's not a beat yourself up kind of repentance. It's a true heartfelt, Lord, in comparison to where I'm supposed to be with you, I'm not there. And that comes up in our worship, doesn't it? When we have a general confession, it comes up as we prepare to come to the table. I look at my hands and I'm remembering uh, the thought that I had and it sticks with me every time I come to communion. Lord, this is what I've got for you. This is what I've got for you and yet you fill me with your body and your blood. I got nothing. I come with empty hands because the machinations of my life are valuable to you because you make them valuable. But I've got nothing unless you fill them. The third thing is stewardship. And 
as you would guess, uh, you know, it's not a, this is not an opportunity for a, a teaching on tithing, but it's like, can you outgive God? Can any of us outgive God? If we've got something to give, if we have a percentage of our income to give, you know what, we probably, each one of us, could give more because there are things that we could go without. And it's not about measuring that so you can say, oh, look at me. I'm the giver. It's a joy when you give and you're able to give in such a way that your time is strangely multiplied that it, it becomes an opportunity for us to take an an inventory of our lives and say, what's really important? Is this money and my time really more important than those who have needs? Is it about feeding my selfish ambition or is it about taking care of those that God's put in front of me? The fourth thing is, is prayer and personal prayer is so, I don't know, I, I think it's penultimate in this process of discipleship because it starts with the prayer that I was referring to earlier, help! And it brings us to the place where we're able to say, Lord, there's so much that's out of my control. I relinquish that control over you that so through me you may point me to the things that I cannot see so that I can do the things that you have planned for me. It moves us from uh, that prayer where we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we help you, Lord, make earth look like heaven? How do we... Uh, surprise people with the ways in, the, in which you want to operate in your life. Remind us of the ways that you've surprised us so that we could take that surprise and say, surprise, <laughs> and give it away to others. And the last thing is, is accountability, community. We need each other. You like to be together with those that you love. Uh, it's fun to laugh. It's fun to be in a place, I wouldn't say it's fun, but it, it's necessary for us to be in a place where we can cry together it takes community to truly grieve when you've experienced loss when you're in a place where you just scratch your head and say why lord i'm still in a place where i scratch my head and i say why did you take yanel home why lord it's so hard for me guy's my spiritual dad and he had more to give and I'm angry about it. And the Lord smiles and says, you got this. You got this. Because he's given me all of those principles. He used to come to St. Paul's and Darien, and, and people would line up, and they were ready for their, their uh, prophetic word. They were going to get their little prophetic tape. And, you know, you've always, you all have been experienced some of that charismatic world where you know you you the guy was just like the energizer bunny and he was going to prophesy over everybody before they left and it would go till one in the morning and after about four or five times he said i'm done i'm not going to prophesy anymore you all have received a prophetic tape and if you have not come and see me personally i will tell you you need to be honest because i remember faces <laughs> come forward and i'll give you a prophetic word but if you've received a word from me before at this point in time, you need to live it out before you receive another. You need to start living into what God has spoken over you. So this is my admonishment to you as part of the community. If you've received prophetic words in the past, go pull them out. 
Go write them down. Praise the Lord for ways in which they've been fulfilled, but recognize that the Lord operates in seasons and cycles, and those words get spoken and fulfilled over and over and over again in your life. It's just not a one and done. But we need each other. Ultimately, spiritual formation is not about our own personal growth, but it's rather about growing in faith with a community of believers. It's, it's a, a, a director that's, that helps us uh, find a place to be accountable to other people. There's, there's fruit from being in a place where other people are speaking into our lives and we're having to live with the, the discomfort zone of having people that we may not normally hang out with having to figure out how to love them despite their quirks and their worldly failings. That's what the body is. And we do that well here. We do do that well here. So let this be a word of encouragement on this Joy Sunday in Advent. In January, we're going to be starting our small groups. We've chosen the name Life Groups. Because you have house churches and you have small groups and you have cell groups and you have blah, blah, blah and blah, blah, blah and blah, blah, blah groups. We can name them all we want to. But what we want is for those groups to express and believe and share the life of Christ that they have been given. And so we're going to call them life groups. And those life groups are going to be an opportunity for you to be in a place where you're encouraged to read the word of God. You are in a place of, of active, regular repentance with him. That you are encouraged and strengthened to give absolute stewardship. That your time, talent, and treasure are, are always being thought of, of how do I bless the Lord. That you are in a place where your prayer is being drawn to uh, more meaning. And it, 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 you start to say, hey, listen, I like praying now. I want to pray more. Intercessors, you don't have any problem doing that. You can go in your closet and pray forever and ever and ever. Amen. Uh, but for some of us, it's, it's a little bit more difficult. And over the years, I found myself in a place where I'm just like, oh, as soon as I start, there are more things to pray for. And there are more people that come to mind. And things that I would have never thought 10 minutes ago are right here. And the Lord's nudging me to bring them to prayer. And the last thing is community. We need each other. So let this be twofold, a twofold word. If you're already part of a group, men's group, women's group, stage four, if you're already part of something that fits all of these things, then praise the Lord. But if you do not have an area of your life where you're being challenged to read the word, actively in re uh, uh, pursuing repentance, um, challenged to give of yourself totally, uh, in stewardship, not praying on a regular basis with a group of believers, and you don't have a, a, a community that you're regularly going to, please sign up for a small group. It's not too late. We set an end date so we could get started on getting them formed. We have leaders and hosts. We've got about six groups that have formed together, and we're going to see what happens. We're going to do a season before the summer next year, and in that season, there's going to be some shifts it's a, it's a moving target. It's a, it's a live nativity scene. We don't know where the goats and the sheep are going to move while the children are, are trying to be uh, lambs and other things. Um, we are just going to trust that the Lord will use the formation that he's given us to start to be a community that's formed 
But watch what happens at St. Luke's when we're taking it seriously. Watch what happens when we as a body are moving forward and taking these ingredients seriously. I'm excited about what the Lord has for us. It's a holy wait a minute. Wait and see that the Lord is doing a new thing. Amen? Amen. Amen.